What's kind of weirdly apt about it as well is that sometimes you find that mental health and burlesque, depending on who you talk to, obviously, can elicit a very particular response from people. And it's the same response of like, oh, why are you? Oh, right. Are we um, are we doing that? that? OK, OK, right. Um, I wasn't prepared for this conversation. Welcome back to season two of the Labyrinth and the Thread podcast, home to conversations about creativity and mental health for, by, and with people who love to create things and have experience navigating mental health. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and which threads they've followed. I'm Amelia Aldred, and I'm so glad you're listening. Today, I'm talking with Ferrero Rochelle and Rosie Verbose, the founders of the Invisible Cabaret, a burlesque troupe in the UK that creates and performs shows about mental health. Content advisory. Today's episode contains discussions of nudity and mentions of trauma recovery. Rochelle and Roz, thank you so much for being here. Tell me more about your troupe. Well, we are Invisible Cabaret. We are a variety performance troupe that focuses on stripping away the stigma surrounding mental health. Uh, We do that through a variety, and I've just said variety, Uh, we do that through a number of different ways. (laughs) We we are burlesquers, we are comedians, we are singer-songwriters, we are clowns ballet dancers, tap dancers, you name it, we we kind of, we do it all. And the thread that kind of runs all the way through our pieces and through our shows and, you know, our overarching message is all about mental health and promoting good mental health and promoting conversations. If I missed anything, Ros? No, that sounds pretty good. I would like to just point out that we're not uh, personally all of those things all at once. No, that is true. <laughs> so between us all, we're, we're ballet dancers and clowns or what have you, but, um, but I personally won't be... Uh, popping any point shoes on anytime soon so <laughs> but otherwise yeah great job <laughs> as far as as bringing these two things together something that uh, Rochelle and I had talked a bit about before was a lot of assumptions about what performing about mental health and what performances talking about mental health are like uh, that off sometimes there's assumptions that oh this is all going to be a very sad show you know because this is a very serious topic and that something that I have loved about your podcast and I've loved seeing and looking through all of the stuff you're doing is that there's so much joy in what you're doing and that there's a variety for your variety show there is a variety of emotions and could you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely you know I'm just I'm I'm so thrilled to hear that uh, it's coming across as joyful because it's definitely coming from a, a joyful place for us, I think, um, even when we tackle the the tricky stuff. I mean, with the variety show, obviously, as you say, it's it's important that you have the the moments of light and shade. And I know that when we've we've talked to venues and Rochelle, I mean you can you can verify this, but we've sort of almost not always known where our place is or how to sort of sell ourselves depending on where we're performing you know yeah yeah I, I I've definitely found this we kind of don't really fit in necessarily in either camp so for example uh in the kind of traditional cabaret sphere we don't really well not we not that we don't fit in we do fit in i i like to think we fit in everywhere uh, because everybody has mental oh, health sure. good or bad uh so really <laughs> we should be able to perform anywhere um but uh traditional cabaret venues have reservations because they think oh this is a topic this is a show all about uh mental health so this is going to be really dark and mm. our 
audience members are going to leave feeling really sad and they're just going to, you know, leave on a down note. And then in kind of traditional theatre spaces, uh, people have reservations because we have boobs out on show and (laughs) we we have nudity. Um, And if you're not familiar with burlesque, it's quite uh intimidating perhaps to or or maybe not even intimidating but if you're not if you're not sure about it if you're not certain about it it can be something quite difficult to to grasp I think Uh, especially how the two marry how are some of the ways that you talk about your work um with different venues that's a great question um I so we've we've got a sort of baseline of things that we will present to people first of all, um, you know, from our website and our social media and things. And hopefully you can get quite a sense of our tone, I guess, um, uh, from that. And then when we've been in discussion with maybe slightly less conventional spaces or venues, then it's been a question of also us really thinking about how flexible we can make our work. And that's given us a chance really to um, interrogate what's, you know, so we've been going since uh, officially since 2017, when we sort of very first started talking about it, um, Rochelle and me. Uh, and so we we had a chance to really sort of interrogate what was crucial to our work, you know, as a, as a result of that and being like, well, do we absolutely need nudity do we absolutely need you know these other bits and bobs um so that has been yeah it's 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 always an opportunity to sort of reassess where you're you're at I guess and and why are you talking about mental health and what is it that's really giving you um that the the edge that that you feel you have and for us I mean I know Rochelle you're pretty passionate about uh nudity aren't you (laughs) as far as we're concerned (laughs) I am pretty passionate I am pretty passionate about nudity. I am. Our tagline is strip away stigma. And I just think there's something so special about uh, the combination of being emotionally and physically naked uh, in front of an audience that it really just taps into. Yeah, it just really taps into something. It connects with an audience in a way that I don't think even we were expecting. Um, We kind of you know liked the idea thought it you know it has so many layers like (laughs) oh it's just so meta and then actually having um a a traditional burlesque show uh is very glam and glitzy and people are having a couple of drinks and they're, they're really letting their hair down and they're really relaxing and so we've combined that with this kind of raw emotional vulnerability where we're talking about the real topics that really get into what makes people tick and and how people cope and how people kind of get through their day-to-day lives and that's something that also once once you're relaxed you kind of kind of take that on a little bit more and we found that in intervals you know people are not talking about um not always they're not always talking about oh what's coming up next or oh what are you doing at the weekend or whatever the majority of the time when the interval comes these relaxed happy people with their drinks are sat chatting about mental health and they're talking about their experiences and and talking about what they've seen and what they've learned and it's just I just think it's so powerful it's so moving we've got so much power up on that stage with these nipple tassels well this is it I just I uh I think it's something really really special sorry I don't know if that was a bit rambly I'm, I am very passionate about it <laughs> Thank you.
One of the ways that I get inspired is by trying out new things, especially when I share that experience with other people. For example, I get some of my best ideas from going to live theater and walking around traveling museum exhibits. Doing something new helps me get out of my usual habits of thinking and start connecting concepts and images in a different way. And when I'm with other people, we end up having conversations about new topics, or at least revisit topics with new information, which also inspires me. In Roz and Rochelle's experience, the novelty of pairing mental health and burlesque leads people to start having new kinds of conversations about mental health, in part because of surprising connections between the two topics. What's kind of weirdly apt about it as well is that sometimes you find that mental health and burlesque, depending on who you talk to, obviously, can elicit a very particular response from people. And it's the same response of like, oh, why are you? Oh, right. Are we um, are we doing that? OK, OK, right. Um, I wasn't prepared for this conversation. Um, OK. <laughs> um, so you've got you know, a mixture of people who are really enjoying it and totally there for it and wherever it takes them. And then other people who really who really do feel uncomfortable with both. And, and so, as you say, it's not so much about necessarily, you know, if someone voluntarily comes to a burlesque show because it's slightly more, you know, maybe one of ours, which is maybe maybe, I, I suppose, a little bit more tame than, than some of them out there in some ways, um, but then has got this other element to it. Yeah, I think it, it, it just puts you in a different headspace. I don't know quite what it what it is, really. But um, I think sometimes people feel a bit brave for going to a burlesque show. I, say, I know I certainly did the first time I ever went to a burlesque show. I grew up in a you know very strict religious background. So going to a burlesque show was like, I don't know, something really, you know, the, the Mount Everest of uh, a Saturday night out, you know. Um, so I think that uh, it really can put you in a, a different space that you do start feeling a bit brave and like, oh, well, if I can cheer on this lady who's taking her clothes off or whoever it might be, what else can I think about? What else can I do? What else is in me that I haven't discovered yet? You know, I think it can actually be weirdly self-reflective, um, even if you are just sort of on the surface cheering on someone undressing. <laughs> One of the things that I've seen a lot of people starting to discuss is how do we talk about how mental health and intersects with how we care for each other within artistic communities? And then how does that translate into what practically do we do for each other? Because right now, I think we're at a, at a point where a lot of us are thinking, well, the script we are given doesn't work. We don't want to just keep following that, but we don't know what else to do. You know, we're not we're figuring out how do we build this more compassionate community? I wondered if you could talk a bit about how you're doing that with an invisible cabaret, because it's something obviously you're both so passionate about. And that it sounds like you're you're trying to build this different kind of community. Um, I think one thing to note is that we're still learning. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's it's a long old learning mm -hmm. process, um, and we. Oh, I feel like we're learning stuff every day. Um, I think what I would say is that from performance 
um, perspective, we've we've picked up some kind of tips and tricks of of what makes a good rehearsal space, what makes a good performance space, and what makes a good relationship between you, your performers, and the kind of performance community. Uh, so one thing I would say in terms of a rehearsal space is having a tap out system, which is something we're we're very passionate about. So a uh, a tap out system would be if we're talking about something that gets particularly heavy or takes you to somewhere that's quite emotionally raw. Um, just being able to tap out and take five minutes, 10 minutes out of the room in a corner of the space or, you know, wherever you like, wherever you feel most comfortable. Um, and no one's going to force you to talk about it. No one's going to, you know, chase you up on it. They just know that, that you've needed to tap out. If after a certain amount of time, you know, you haven't come back or we're, cons- we're concerned, then we'll go and check. But that kind of tap out system, there's no questions asked and there's no need to explain yourself it's just this idea of you know I this is too much and I'm going to take a step back and that's going to be respected so we implement that across all of our rehearsals and all of our meetings and and also our podcast as well you know if ever we're discussing something with a guest that that might you know take a an unexpected turn or or, or end up somewhere that they you know are not comfortable with they also have the opportunity to tap out and say, you know, no, I'm not doing this. And we're not going to question them on it and we're not going to chase them up on it. I, I was just going to add to that, that I think it's a very powerful um, thing that I've since realised that it's, you know, it's obviously a very easy, practical, almost like, well, duh, is that the best you've got type <laughs> type, um, type tip. But one of the things that I think is powerful about it is that now that we've got a working relationship with the performers in the troupe currently um they all know going in that that's already there for them so they know that if they start going down one particular route they can pull back or they could you know so that it's it actually allows you to be more open in a way because you know that wherever you end up if it's somewhere you don't like you just you can come away from that avenue and your self-care will be the priority I think sometimes when uh people maybe with the best intentions start to uh make work about mental health we can get into a space where like right we've got to lay it all on the table let's be completely open and you know and that's not it's it's not trauma informed it's not um it's maybe putting the art above the the person you know involved in making the art um so although it's a tiny thing i think the knowledge that it's there is just one practical way that we're showing that the people we're working with are more important to us than than getting to the next point of the rehearsal or, or whatever it might be. That's what I was going to add there. I think that's su- that's such an important point that the people are the most important. And I think if you're going to collaborate and make art with people, if it's going to be about mental health or if you're trying to uh, prioritise the your co-workers' mental health, then you have to put the people first. So uh, one of the things we do is that we we're trying we're still again we're still learning is having alternative systems in place if someone can't attend a meeting or they can't attend a rehearsal because of their mental health that's okay because we will have a backup plan you know that's not people don't need to feel guilty that you know they're already struggling with their mental health they don't need to then add the guilt and the shame of not turning up to a rehearsal or um or a meeting or, or whatever and we we've not had this scenario uh, happen before but i know that if we were in a show and if something at the last minute 
someone was in a really dark place and they knew that going up on that stage and performing that piece that was about their experience was too much for them. And they said, you know what, I can't go on stage. Again, that wouldn't matter. We have backup systems in place and we know that we would make it work because at the end of the day, it's just a show. And that what brings the pizzazz, we, we pride ourselves on the fact that our people come first and the pizzazz is everything else. You know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we've, we've got to take care of our people, most importantly. And although we did know that, 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 you know, ultimately people's mental health is more important, actually, I think it's worth having a moment to say what a big deal it is for us to see, like, it's just a show. Because also, like, it's, this is, you know, this is our passion project. It's our baby. You know? <laughs> it's everything we care about. We um, are just absolutely buzzing for an audience to see what we've created and respond to it. And it's the best thing. Um, so being able to say it's just a show is um, is actually come from, from quite a lot of self-work on our parts as well, I think. Is that fair to say, Rosh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, do you have other performers um, asking you or coming to you with questions about some of these practices and and philosophy that you've you've brought to running a troupe we're starting to now it's it's um it's yeah it's very interesting I think also since we've done the podcast as well since we started that as a a lockdown project one of those things that you've talked about for years and you're like oh I'll do that when I've got the time um and then we were given the time and thought oh crikey right that that'll be that then um so since we've started the podcast I think we've had a few more conversations of that of that nature um I guess running a collective in this way yeah is uh, is something that that people are starting to become more interested in that the um it might be slightly tangential but it's really uh, on my mind the the example that I'm seems to be coming up a lot when I'm talking to people about this is um how it's only really recently that um tv and film have implemented intimacy directors and uh, so, for example, I was listening to someone talk about, I think it was Bridgerton, you know, the the, the hit Netflix TV show. Um, and, um, you know, they were saying about how important it had been, especially in the wake of, of Me Too and, and that whole movement, that there was someone on set to really talk with the actors about where their boundaries were, what was necessary for the scene, what wasn't. And I, I was talking to my mum about this recently and she said, I just can't believe that this hasn't been thought of sooner. Why has nobody made this a priority? And I actually feel kind of analogously about the work that we're doing. It's only when you see that it can be done another way that you think, oh, crikey, why have we not done this before? You know? Yeah. And one conversation we had with a podcast guest was was her saying that um, one of her pieces, every time she performed it made her cry every single time she couldn't you know she she's now at a point where she charges more uh to to put it on stage because it is so emotionally taxing for her and we said to her you know do you have aftercare for after you've performed that you know when you, you've been on stage do you go off to, is there somebody there to take care of you is there you know somebody there to, to help you through that process and she was like no like no <laughs> and I wouldn't even think of it and you know again it's something we're still learning but oh my gosh that just 
absolutely broke me to know that she was going on stage and crying afterwards every single time and nobody was going up to her and being like are you okay do you want to sit down should we have a cup of tea should we have a glass of wine shall we you know talk through what you're thinking or do you need to be left alone yes alone (laughs) right yeah do you want to be left alone do you need to take a breath you know any there was nothing there was nothing she was just expected to go okay I'm fine now and go on with the rest of the show and when you're you're playing with people's emotions like that, I just, yeah, I just think it's really unsafe and uh, needs to be changed. So you have some performances coming up and you have some different projects that you're doing. Would you like to share with listeners what some of those projects are and, and some of the things you're excited about? Yes, I think this is actually the first place we're announcing it. Um, we we have a show booked, a live in-person show. It's in um, Balham in South London and it's on the 24th of September. Uh, it's a Friday night. And it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's oh it's going to be really lovely to be back <laughs> on stage because we've not been, obviously, as just like a lot of performers, we've not been back on stage in a heck of a long time. Um, so it will be fabulous. And then from there, we're going to hopefully get some some runs going and, and try and tour a little bit. I'm afraid it might be a while before we get to you, Amelia, but I promise you it's on the cards. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> it's on the vision board. <laughs> please, please come to Chicago. Um, I... I will personally pack the theater. <laughs> I, I would love to be able to see you live. That sounds amazing. Sounds like a plan. Oh, thank you so much. We, yeah. I think we're um, we're also, you know, we've been very inspired by um, how people have got round um, the last 18 months in terms of, you know, how can we make spaces virtual as well as um, physical. So that's also something that we're, thinking about and working out how how we could um make that a thing too um and then keeping going with the podcast is, as long as we can we'd we'd, we'd love to we we absolutely love the conversations we're having and so grateful that this has been one of the out outworkings of that because it's just so lovely I feel like you'd really love the show Amelia as well and I think we we would be having a, a wine for many hours a wine is in like a beverage <laughs> Not a wine is in a WH. Yeah, not a WH. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, that sounds wonderful. And I love your podcast. So I I do hope that uh, you're to to keep it going, especially, as you said, during these past 18 months in which we've been exploring all these different ways to continue our art and to connect with people. I'm I'm so glad um, that you did that and that you're doing that. Thank you so much. Ditto. Thank you. Well, again, thank you so much for coming onto the show and for sharing your experiences and sharing all of the incredible work that you're doing. And I just want to thank you for doing that work and for pushing these boundaries and experimenting in this space, because you said it it gives the rest of us uh, a blueprint to look at and a place to start because it's like the blank page, you know, it's so much easier to start yeah. with a writing prompt, you know, or anything, you know, like that. But when you have nothing, it can be very hard to get started to even think about what could we be doing differently. So oh. thank you so much for doing that. It's oh, such important you, Amelia. work. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for asking oh, us to be on your podcast.
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash labthreadpodcast. If you're not in a position to financially support us, you can help out by spreading the word and following us on social media. Stories, concerns, and manifestos can all be emailed to labthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Labyrinth and the Thread. Thank you.